And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're going to talk with Mike Shute about Redeeming Law, his book on how we can use the law to help reshape our society. Mike is a director of the Christian Legal Society Law Student Ministries and the Institute for Christian Legal Studies. He's going to tell us why law matters, why lawyers matter. I'm an attorney. I hope I matter. I'm a partner at the law firm of Mauk and Baker. We're Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, not-for-profit administration, religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to Mauk Baker, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com, or call 312-726-1243. Mike, welcome. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Why do lawyers matter? I mean, I seem to remember reading in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus saying, Woe to you lawyers! Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess the easiest answer is lawyers matter because all of God's people called into ordinary work matter. All of ordinary work matters because God places us at our post to do work to the glory of God and for love of neighbor as part of God's uh, redemptive plan to reconcile all things to himself. So all of our all of the work that we do with our hands. Well, wait, uh, wait, matters. wait a minute. Of course we all matter. That's a softball answer, and I gave you a hardball question, Mike. Why does he say, woe to your lawyers? He didn't say, woe to your farmers or woe to your carpenters. He said, woe to your lawyers, and he repeated it seven times in Matthew. Right. He was, yes, he was, he was not ripping necessarily lawyers, but I'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll, we'll, for, for the sake of argument, we'll say this is the scribes and the Pharisees were similar, at least, to today's lawyers. But yeah, they were placing heavy burdens on the back of people. They were taking God's law, and they were perverting it by adding burdens to it that were never intended to be added to it. They twisted the law. They added burdens. They used their uh, religious knowledge to, uh, to oppress and burden, burden others. And that was a violation of God's law of love. And uh, they missed the weightier matters of the, love, of the law, justice and mercy. Uh, and humility. And so the lawyers of, of Jesus' day got it big time from Jesus because they missed the weightier matters of the law. Does that apply to lawyers today? Is that a fair generalization? I think that's a fair word to, to lawyers today, that we are, we are called into, as I said, the easy answer is all of ordinary work matters, all of God's people matter, but the harder question is, how then does the specific work of being a lawyer fit into God's plan to reconcile all things to himself through Christ? And how is it that lawyers in their ordinary jobs and in their ordinary work uh, with clients and uh, partners and uh, legal assistants and paralegals and judges and courtrooms, how is it that they are part of the kingdom work uh, that, that God is about? So, yeah, and uh, what's the, the answer to the question? question. And you're right, that, that that question of the weightier matters of the law, that's what lawyers are called into. 
And uh, how, how, do, how does that look in our society today? What, what is it that lawyers should be doing at our end? How do we uphold our end for the body of Messiah? Because we can't all be lawyers, but those who are have a special calling and, and uh, obligation, don't we? I think we do. Uh, I think uh, because justice is spoken of so often in Scripture, uh, the poor are spoken of so often in Scripture. Uh, reconciliation is spoken so much of in, in Scripture that I think lawyers who are called into those fields, and of course all lawyers are dealing with, with justice and injustice in some way, that special attention is, uh, is called for. Just as if I were called into music, I would have to take special attention to what the Scripture says about music, uh, what, the, what the natural order of the universe that God has created, uh, what, what is music about in that uh, in that in the cosmos, uh, so too lawyers have to think about what is justice, and so I think it starts with thinking about where God's placed me with my particular gifts and area of practice. Uh, I think all of us are called to work uh, for the poor. I think we're we're called to help those who are oppressed and those who are facing injustice. Uh, we're called to uh, uh, to work in reconciling parties. If we're a if we're a if we're a mediator, uh, part of our work in the kingdom is to reconcile those who are not. Uh, yeah, you've, you've made your point that everybody matters in getting their place in the body of Messiah, and, the, and that's, that's quite clear in the Scriptures. We're all part of a body, and we have, different, we have different functions. We need to know our own part. But lawyers have to do more, I think. I think that's one of the reasons Jesus uh, went after lawyers, because they were important. And We've been taught in our, uh, in our churches and sermons and Bible studies that he interacted with the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees and Pharisees. I don't know how many sermons I've heard mention that point, uh, while not seeing that he was trying to influence Israel and impact Israel for the kingdom of God by dealing with the lawmakers, the politicians, uh, how many times in Scripture are they called teachers of the law? And so he's talking to law professors, arguing with them and rebuking them. And doesn't that mean that there's more importance to impacting this segment? Because, uh, well, we talk about the Supreme Court. We talk about all the other areas where law gives moral direction to society. Well, yes, yes and no. I mean, he was talking to the theologians of his day and the theology professors and the seminarians. He wasn't talking to the Roman leaders of civil law. He was talking to those with a special, uh, a special duty to handle God's law. But I, so, so I, I don't think that, the, that the, the religious leaders of Jesus today were necessarily the law professors, but, but your point is a good one. We, we as lawyers do handle law. And if we, are, if we are not thinking about human law in terms of what God's law is, that is theologically, then we are, we're falling down on the job. So there is a sense in which law professors and lawyers and those who are charged with justice need to understand uh, moral law. They need to understand natural law. They need to understand uh, what God's law says about human law and what the relationship between human law and God's law is. And so... In that sense, yeah, you're absolutely right. Lawyers have an, a very important calling uh, in society because law is a is a is a shaping 
instrument in our in our world. It's it's a reflection of uh, of cultural moves, and it's a uh, it, it, it's a uh, it's a it's a teacher, just as it as it was and is from the Old Testament, from the Scripture. This is John Mauk of Lawyers for Jesus Radio with the law firm of Mauk and Baker. We're speaking with Mike Shutt, author of Redeeming Law and teacher of law students. Michael, you talk about the importance of recognizing the difference between God's law and man's law. What's happening in our law schools today? Are our students being told that the Constitution is based on God's law, at least our interpretation of it, or is our students being taught, wow, just uh, whatever man says, whatever uh, the legislature says, that's what the law is, and that's what the law should be. Yeah, I, I think that's where the problem begins. I think you're right about that. Uh, and it's it's far deeper than sort of constitutional interpretation. the the real The real issue seems to be how we view in the American Legal Academy the nature of law itself. Uh, I think uh, ask most law professors, and they'll tell you that that law is a human artifact. It's something that's created by human beings to make the human beings uh, act uh, in a certain way, and that those in power uh, use the law to shape uh, as an instrument, as a man-made instrument, human human artifact as an instrument to shape those in society uh it ignores the it ignores the the it ignores the fact uh, that law uh, is a reflection of a lawgiver it ignores the fact that law has a moral component and that that law is based on on the character of of the one who created the world and so without a moral center without a uh sort of a cosmic center and understanding that that all law comes from god and needs to be based on his precepts and commands and character, and that justice flows from who God is, uh, law is just reduced to a power game. And well, if you're well, taught in well, law school well, Michael, that law, that's, those in power say it is, then you're in trouble. That's uh, you got an excellent handle on the problem, that we do need to recognize the supremacy of, of God. What are the law schools, uh, Christian law schools, and maybe talk about uh, regent law schools in Virginia Beach, uh, doing to equip students to handle uh, this important issue. Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great question. I, I think I think places like Regent University School of Law in Virginia Beach uh, and others who who have started a a, a project that says, look, uh, th- this is too important uh, to ignore, and we need a mission that says there is biblical foundation for understanding of truth. And therefore, if if we believe that Scripture is true, then much of what is being taught in the law school is wrong. And so, what a place like Regent will do, and and I taught there on campus for many years and continue to teach there as an adjunct, is think through these things in every in every single topic, from ethics to torts to contracts, but also in the foundational areas, like uh, when you're when you're thinking about tort law, for example, do you start with what is the nature of law? Do you start with why, why, why would the state have an interest in reconciling parties? Why, uh, why would one who causes harm be required to pay for another? And to look at some of the ways that the Old Testament handled it, uh, look at some of the, uh, the, of the principles underlying um, uh, recompense for harm. Thank you, Mike. And uh, coming up, we'll talk with you further about what 
believers can do to help bring about this change. Director of the Christian Legal Society Student Ministries. Uh, Mike, before the break, we're talking about what the academy is doing, what what's happening at Regent and other Christian law schools to try and emphasize the priority of God's law in analyzing our issues. Is this issue so far beyond the average believer? Does it matter to Christians? Is there anything that believers can do to help this process of redeeming law? That's a, that's a great question. I think the answer is no. It's not, this is not above what the average believer uh, thinks. This is, this is part of uh, all believers' responsibility to think faithfully about the world and uh, and what believers can do, I, I think we've lost uh, in 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 today's world, sort of the in what what some are calling a post-Christian uh, world. We've lost the love of of truth and understanding, and we've we have become very relativistic in the way that we view uh, we view norms, particularly. But also, truth doesn't matter. And so, I think one of the things that believers can do. Uh, is is returned to an understanding of the source of truth being rooted in God's revelation of himself in Scripture and in the person of Jesus. Uh, and as we return to an understanding of what truth is, we also have better footing on which to talk about justice and injustice. I think, for example, the discussions, the public discussions we have about so-called social justice are so unrooted in truth often. I mean, the social justice impulse is a good one, charity and mercy love for the poor, love and care for those who can't care for themselves. I think those impulses are outstanding. Uh, but when we don't understand the truth about the role of the state, the nature of law, and the nature of the human person, we're really in trouble. So as ordinary believers dig into Scripture, they, the churches teach about vocation and calling. Churches teach about the nature of the state. Churches teach and speak truth to the power. The body of Christ is, is, is doing that as well. Well, isn't there a great reluctance to speak truth? Isn't, isn't it a, a quandary that believers have today that if we say something politically incorrect, people in our family will reject us? Maybe people in our, in our church, if pastors um, speak the truth uh, about anything, they're liable to offend and lose, and lose members. Yeah, exactly. They're... There, there is a reluctance to speak the truth, and I think that's the fundamental thing that has to change. Uh, if uh, speaking the truth uh, doesn't grow your church, then you should uh, view it as God's call that your church needs to shrink. Uh, if, uh, if the body of Christ grows by the proclamation of truth, then we're all, we're all in this together as the church of Jesus uh, in the United States, the Church of Jesus in the world, the Church of Jesus well, in well, our Well, our wait a minute. Let me challenge you with this. Didn't Jesus say that we're to have unity, and by this all men shall know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another? And Paul emphasizes unity in the body. If truth, truth is divisive, shouldn't it be subordinate to unity? Well, truth isn't, truth isn't always divisive, and... Uh, and it's not loving to tell someone a lie. It's not loving to tell someone uh, that their lifestyle is okay when it's, uh, when it's ruining them. It's not okay. Uh, it's not loving. I'm not loving my children when I let them get away with murder. It's not loving uh, my friends when I don't tell them the truth about how they're treating their spouse, for example. 
And so sometimes truth hurts, but truth in love is still love. And so if we're proclaiming the truth about justice, about social justice, about the nature of law, and it offends some people, then we have to ask with, uh, with Peter and John, you know, is it better to obey men or to obey God? And so, and so we, have to, we have to speak the truth, but we always have to do it in love. And if that is a short-term, uh, I'm not sure that the division comes just when people are offended and they decide to walk away. Uh, sometimes, well, Paul, Paul calls the church to actually exercise church discipline and actually ask someone to leave. So that's not divisive or division in and of itself that's the problem. It's division based on, on wrongful quarrels. But if, uh, if people fall away because of the truth of Jesus, if people are offended because of Jesus, I think that's something to be expected. Well, uh, yeah, I thank you for saying that. I do, I do uh, feel so blessed when I read about Jesus uh, saying certain things and not requiring the approval of his disciples. As a matter of fact, uh, on occasion, uh, the disciples left him and said, we want nothing more to do with him. But he, uh, he didn't care about that. He cared about truth more than division. Uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of Malk and Baker. You can reach us at M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com, Malkbaker dot com, or call us at 312-726-1243. We're speaking with Mike Shutt, author of Redeeming Law and the director of the Christian Legal Society Law Student Ministries and otherwise legal maven. And when we come back, we're going to ask Mike about current political trends and will there be a change in the law and, uh, under the new Trump administration. Mike, uh, you heard the question. What I did. do you think? <laughs> I did. Well, I think there's a possibility for some, uh, I think there's a possibility of some Supreme Court uh, justices. Uh, being more conservative, I think uh, the Federal Society list that Trump has talked about would be a uh, would be probably a positive development in the long term. But I think hoping in Supreme Court justices is a uh, it's a it's a it's it's not a surefire method. Our problems go much deeper than that in the law and particularly in politics. Um, that's kind of where I am on that. So. Uh, if the issue isn't getting the right people in power, I, I hear you saying it's it's important, uh, but we're not trying to create a theocracy. How do we spread the knowledge of Torah, that is, God's law, within our churches if our pastors and leaders are not willing to die to self? Boy, that... That's a that's a serious that's a serious problem. The, the church's role is, always has been twofold, right? To proclaim the truth, and so we go back to the previous question about proclamation of truth. But in addition, we have an instructional or an educational or a catechetical calling as the church that we have to instruct our children, we have to instruct our members, and we have to instruct those in power about what is true about the world, about what the law says what God's law says about man's law, what, um, what, what God would have uh, leaders do. And if, 
if our leaders are unfaithful, we still have problems. But I, I think one of the things we do lately is put so much stock in who the president is, so much stock in who our political leaders are. We forget the power of God in his people in the world. I mean, we're the leaven and the salt and the light in the world, not our political leaders. And we've gotten ourselves into this mess because we've forgotten, we've forgotten that. Uh, and so part of, our, part of our project is a long-term one where we say, yes, we want Supreme Court justices who uh, act on the basis of law and not on the basis of their raw will. And we want people in, in power who believe that law is rooted in, a, in the moral order of the universe, not just in what human beings from time to time might say it is. And yet, if the church doesn't do its work in the world, we're going to continue to have leaders who don't believe that and don't see it that way. And so our job is to instruct, uh, to think, uh, to preach, to proclaim uh, in a way that, that includes uh, public life, uh, politics, law and government, uh, lawyers, uh, and their importance. Well, I, I, I think we can all agree with that, Mike, and that's, that's a powerful, important point. But I'd like you to help us add a spiritual dimension to it, because I think non-believers would say the same thing. We need to instruct and teach and, and work to, to get the right judges and so forth. But Paul says uh, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And he also taught that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not elections and, uh, and lawsuits. There's, there's another dimension. So how does the listener, the average believer, the person who's confused and wants to influence our society correctly, uh, what spiritual weapons do they bring to bear in this battle? Yeah, I think, I think the most obvious one is prayer. I think it's a neglected spiritual weapon. I once told someone that uh, the most important thing they could do in starting a Christian Legal Society chapter was to pray. Uh, and he asked me if I was serious or if that was just a Sunday school answer. And I said, no, if you're not praying, if the Lord isn't involved here, then forget about it. We can just we can go elsewhere, forget about a Christian Legal Society chapter if the Lord's not in it. So I think prayer is the, is the key spiritual weapon, but we pray with knowledge. We pray with an understanding of who Abba is that we're praying to. We pray with an understanding that uh, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us about um, praying for the provision of God, for praying for uh, those of us uh, around us, that we would love and forgive uh, our, our, uh, our neighbors. And so, so part, I think part of what we're doing is just living into the world around us. We think that we need to make global change, but what we need to be doing is loving our neighbors right where we are, and that is the that is part of the element of being faithful right where we are that begins to change you, our communities. You're, you've alluded, and when you say love, to the fruit of the Spirit, and that's part of our weaponry as well as the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you so much, Mike Shutt of Christian Legal Society, for sharing with us about how law can impact our society for the kingdom of God. Thank you, John. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.